What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to My Hope Center podcast, your place for motivation, hope, and empowerment. When I look at the state of the country in which we live in today, we find that we're living in a time where we've made many strides. Our technology has advanced in ways that it's, we've never seen it before. Science and medicine have made incredible discoveries. We have entrepreneurship increasing in, in levels that we haven't seen it before. People are growing to be more health conscious. They're growing to be more eco-friendly. Yet despite all of these great strides, we are finding that we are dealing with some of the biggest issues at the highest rates than any past generations. Stress is at an all-time high. So despite that science and medicine have made incredible discoveries, we're living in a time where stress, depression, and anxiety have become our norm. Despite the advancements that we have seen in technology, we're living in a time where our generation is desensitized. It means we're no longer emotionally connected or responsive to issues that used to matter to us before. Our level of caring has dropped. Despite the advances that we have seen in technology, technology and social media are making us less sociable and less emotionally aware of the people and the things around us. We're feeling the social pressure to be accepted, to be liked, and to fit in. We have lack of affordable housing. There have never been a time such as this one where it has been difficult for young people and young families to find homes that will fit and accommodate growing families. Families. The pressures of materialism have increased. The sense and the need to front what you don't have or what you can't afford and just get into more and more and more debt. And the list goes on, folks. Studies have shown that our generation right now is the generation that is the most lost, the most confused, and the most faithless generation. So while we have the biggest churches that our time has ever seen, while we have the best preachers and the best communicators that our time has ever seen, and the best experiences and environments for people to step into and be open to hearing the gospel, we have a generation that is filled with a watered down message of the gospel and isn't prepared for the hard hits and the challenges that real life is hitting at them. So while we are trying, our intention is to build up their faith, the reality is that this world is hitting them harder than the truth that we are delivering to them. So as a church body today, we have to ask ourselves the hard question. We've got to begin to face the reality that the pretty stuff, all this that you see up here, and thank God for the people who do it, the great music, thank God for our lobby teams that put on great experiences so that people feel welcome, but the reality is, is that none of those things are getting people to come back Sunday after Sunday. Because we do it for some of you and you still don't come back Sunday after Sunday tiptoeing around issues that we don't want to confront because we don't want to make anybody feel bad isn't going to stop people from doubting the faith, from asking questions, or from walking away from the church. So as I observe and I assess my 2019, 
I had to go to the Lord in prayer and ask God the question. As I look at my three little ones growing up in the midst of a faithless generation, I have to ask God the question, God in 2020, what is it that you want from us? What do you want me to tell your people concerning this upcoming year? And so in these next few moments I have with you, I hope that the answer that I'm going to provide is going to both challenge you, but also encourage you. We're going to be reading from the book of Agai, but before we go there, let me lay the context of where we find ourselves in this text. Cyrus, the king of Persia at the time, who had conquered Babylon, allowed the Jews, the Israelites, God people, to go back to their homeland. And when they went back to their homeland, they began to rebuild the temple of God. However, the work was abandoned because of opposition that arose from neighbors who had some influence in the Persian court. And so the Jews felt that because of the opposition they were receiving, maybe it wasn't time to rebuild the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord's presence abode, the place where the Lord communicated and spoke to his people. They said because of the opposition, maybe it isn't time to rebuild the temple. And so 16 years later, we find ourselves in this text. God gives the prophet Haggai the assignment to stir the people to do two things. The first one is to rebuild the temple, and the second one is to reorder their spiritual priorities. So in this text, Haggai has already delivered the first message from the Lord. He's delivered it to Zerubbabel, who is their civil leader, and he's also delivered it to Joshua, who is their spiritual leader, the high priest, where they are urged to consider their ways and the consequences of leaving the house of God in ruins. So this was their response and God's second message to them after they responded. Let's look at Haggai chapter 1 verses 12 to 14. And if you have notes, if you got your iPad, you've got your notebook, whatever you have, make sure you're taking notes because this is what God has to say to us concerning 2020 church. It says, verse 12, then Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent them had sent him and the people showed reverence for the Lord then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people saying I am with you declares the Lord so the Lord stirred up somebody say stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of all the remnant of the people and they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts their God so as I prayed and I assessed the Holy Spirit spoke to me and answered the question when I said what is it that you require of us he just pressed one word on my spirit he said, tell my church that what I am asking for in 2020, are you ready to catch it? He said, tell them I'm requiring obedience. I am requiring obedience in 2020. Obedience to God will do two things. Point number one, your obedience to God will move God to respond. God will respond, he says, in 2020 
to your obedience. This year, yes, this year, God wants us to step up our level of obedience. And what is obedience? Because you know a lot of you, you, you know, we know what obedience means. But I'm going to give you the biblical definition of what obedience is. Obedience is by faith submitting and complying to God's authority and his orders. By faith submitting and complying to God's authority and his orders. That simply means that by faith I'm going to do what God tells me to do. That's all that means. It's very simple. God has unimaginable blessings stored up for us, church, in 2020. There are unimaginable blessings that are stored up for you and your house. But the only thing that will unwrap them is your level of obedience. Obedience to God always precedes a blessing. And if you don't believe me, I can prove it. Jesus himself said to his disciples as he had them gathered in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. In other words, it's not enough for me to just hear. It's not enough for me to just attend church and receive and receive and receive and hear. If I don't put the word of God into practice, into action by faith, we read James 2.17, by faith, if I'm not putting faith and work into action then it's dead in order for the blessing to come we must obey I love the story that we find in Luke chapter 5 of Jesus and Peter because Peter was a seasoned fisherman we a lot of us know this story when Jesus tells him to cast out his net Jesus I mean Peter was a seasoned fisherman and here we find Jesus telling a seasoned fisherman who had spent all night already doing what he knows how to do this is his trade he's a master at what he does and Jesus a trained carpenter shows up on the scene and wants to tell a trained fisherman to go out and cast his net again. And so we find that as Peter and the fishermen are washing their nets, Jesus looks over and he comes and says, hey Peter, go out into the deep and cast out your net for a catch. And Peter says, hold up. You're not cut from this fisherman cloth. You're a trained carpenter. And here you are telling me a seasoned fisherman how to do my job? In Peter's mind, he said the right and the logical thing for me to do would have been that if I had already been doing this all day and all night and caught nothing is to keep washing my net, get on home, park my boat, and get some rest and come back the next day to do what I know I am trained to do. And so his response to God first is an excuse. He says, Master, we worked all night and caught nothing. And then he says, but, hmm, I will do as you say. In other words, I know how to do this work and I've been doing it all my life this way. But if you tell me to go out and step again in faith, I will do as you tell me to do. And so, yes, 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 yes. I know God's speaking. And as we do what God is 
asking us to do, we understand that sometimes the logical thing or the right thing to do isn't always the wise thing to do. But how many of you know in this church that obeying God is always the wise thing to do? It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to be rational. It doesn't need to seem logical. It just has to come from the mouth of God. And when God speaks, I'm going to follow. And when God leads, I'm going to follow. And when God tells me, I'm going to do as he says, because he is God almighty and his plans are far greater than mine. His thoughts are far higher than mine. I don't have it all together, but I'm going to trust that he has it all under control. Thank you, Jesus. And so as people, we have a tendency to always give God an excuse. But God, this is how I've always done it. What do you mean I have to change the way that I've always done it? And Jesus today, the Holy Spirit of God is saying to you, go out into the deep and cast out your net. But God, you know that if the way that my finances are currently set up, I already have everything you know, budgeted out and here you are telling me to give more, to be faithful in my tithes. It's, just, it's gonna mess up my budgeting plan. And the Holy Spirit says, go out deep and cast out your net. But God, I'm not ready for that position. I'm not qualified. I have no experience. And the Spirit of God says, go out into the deep and cast out your net. But God, I've applied for the job a hundred times and every time I get a no and the Holy Spirit says it doesn't matter this time go out deep and cast out your net God I tried to hang on to this marriage but this man won't change this woman won't change I don't care go out deep and this time cast down your net but God you know my children are all acting up right now I don't know if I can serve Jesus says go out deep and cast out your net my studies are taking up too much time I don't know if I have time for my devotion today I'm a little bit too tired and the Holy Spirit says go out deep and cast out your net God it's not comfortable for me I'm tired I'm exhausted I'm running on empty I have no more fuel what more could you be asking of me if I've tried to do it all night but go out deep and cast down your net You know, this has been a year for me in which this word has resonated so deeply. Because in the times when I've wanted to serve the most are the times when the enemy has tried to use even the things in my own house, in my mind, to try to distract me from being obedient to what God has called me to do. And there have been moments when I've said, God, I don't think you really called the right person. There's no way I can be an executive pastor and take care of three kids all at the same time. There's no way I can be a good wife to my husband while I have all of this mess to take care of in my home. There's no way I can keep on giving to people when I don't have anybody who's giving to me. There's no way I can be a good mother, a good wife, a good pastor, a good friend, a good sister when I'm constantly running on empty. And every time I walk into my prayer closet, the Spirit of the Lord reminds me I am with you. Do not fear. Go out deep and keep casting down your net. 
I have learned that oftentimes when God tells us to do something and we know without a doubt that it's him who's speaking, we do not obey based on our feeling. We obey solely on who is doing the talking. Because when God speaks, we don't need to worry about the intricacies of what he's asking us to do or how it's gonna work out in the end. If you know what's good for you, you know that trusting his plan is always better than trusting your own. And one of the biggest paralyzing factors to obedience is our fear of disappointment. It's a fear of feeling like we're gonna disappoint him or like we're going to disappoint other people. And so we delay our obedience and say, I'm gonna get it right next year. I'm gonna get it right tomorrow. I'm gonna get it right next week because I don't wanna disappoint anybody. I don't wanna disappoint God. But can I tell you something, church? That day never comes. And you wanna know why? Because anytime that God calls you to do something, it will always require his strength for you to fulfill it. So as long as you are relying on your own strength, on your own will, on your own intellect to get the job done, you will always be disappointed. But if God called you to it, he's gonna back you up and he's gonna see you through it. That's why he says in Matthew 19, 26, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Second Corinthians chapter 12, nine says, my grace is sufficient for you for my my strength is made perfect in weakness. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Obedience to God will always require faith and total dependency on the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that when Israel obeyed God, he responded. He responded in two ways. He told them, I am with you. In other words, whatever I ask you to do, you are, not, you are not alone, I am with you. And then the second thing the word says is that he stirred up their spirits to do the work. So God said, whatever I am asking you to do, I will reinvigorate you, I will strengthen you, I will strengthen the spirit that is within you, not your flesh. Because we all know that the flesh never wants to please the Lord. But the spirit, the word says, is always willing. So God reinvigorated, strengthened, he stirred the spirit of the people so that they could get the job done. In 2020, whatever God is calling or asking you to do, don't make the mistake of relying on your own strength to get it done. You will only be able to do it if you lean into the power of the Holy Spirit that God has promised to have in your midst. And now point number two, is this helping anybody? Is this helping anybody? You are receiving, amen, and this clock, these clocks are always working against us, I'm, but I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap this thing up, okay. Now, the second point is that God promises to be with you. Tell the person next to you, God promises to be with you. That person looked at you kind of like this. So tell the other person, find somebody else and tell them God promises to be with you. I mentioned earlier that the temple was the house of God, right? 
It was where his presence abided. It was where his presence lived. And it was a sign to everyone who saw it that God Almighty was with his people. In other words, they were always on the winning side. Don't mess with God's people. The temple was a sign that his presence was with them. So when Solomon built the temple, the Bible says that he wasted no resources. I mean, when it came to, 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 the, to this temple, he made sure that he used the best materials. He hired the best contractors. He hired the best of the best to build the temple of God because this was where God's presence was going to abide in the midst of the people. And so now the, we find ourselves in the rebuilding process. And there was a new generation who was rebuilding the temple that hadn't seen the old temple in its former glory. And so, stay with me here. So onlookers from the past generation who saw the old temple in all its splendor and glory looked at the rebuilding process of the new generation and had some reservations and some opinions about the way that it was looking. They said it's not really looking quite like, you know, how we used to see it. Why is this piece over here? Like, why is this not wood? And you know, like, why does, what's up with all this? What, what is, this doesn't look like the old temple. This is a school. This doesn't look like the old temple. And so God speaks again through the prophet Haggai and says, I, I love this. I love this so much. Chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, he says, But now take courage, Zerubbabel. Take courage also, Joshua, and all you people of the land. Take courage, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, when you saw the former temple, the one that King Solomon built, my spirit is abiding in your midst, even in this new one. So do not fear. You see, the first time God told them, I am with you. He was responding to their obedience in rebuilding the temple of the Lord. And because they obeyed, he said, I am with you. But now the second time that God says, I am with you, he's responding to their discouragement and shuts down the mouth of every naysayer and negative opinion that is trying to stop them from persisting in their obedience. How many of us know that sometimes God speaks to us one time and the very first time we get all excited about it, but then as we go on this faith walk journey, we tend to get a little tired, a little discouraged, Sometimes we need a little pick-me-up. And so here comes God and says, I know I told you the first time. The same God who spoke then is still the same God who's speaking now. So in case you forgot that I was with you when you started, let me remind you again that I am with you. You see, church, the enemy will use people, and oftentimes people in your own camp, to compare you to something else in an effort to discourage your level of obedience. I love what Craig Rochelle said. He said it best. He said the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. I'm gonna say it again. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it 
to something else. You ever tried to give your best to something or to someone and they compared you to something or someone else? Well, so-and-so does it this way. Why can't you do it like so-and-so? Or, or even worse, when they compare you to the BCU, the you before Christ. So, you know, you used to come to the turn-up every weekend. Why, why aren't you coming anymore? Or, or, they, or they say, you know, you used to be all up in that group chat. You know, you always gave us the snoop, the inside to what was going on. You know, you were the gossip king or the gossip queen. Why, why'd you remove yourself from the group chat now? Oh, really? They said that to you? He did that to you? You didn't go off on them this time? Well, the old you I know. Am I the only one? Am I the only one who's experienced that? where they try to compare you to the old you. The enemy will try every which way, folks, to discourage you by comparing you to the old you, to something that you're not, to make you feel that your yes to God is not enough, to make you feel that God can't use you the way he's using someone else. He'll whisper in your ear, really, you're trying to preach? But you can't preach like that. You'll never be able to preach like that. You'll never be able to minister like that. Oh, you want to be a leader? Really? But look at the way your house is looking. How are you ever going to lead people with the way that your house is looking? Oh, you want to be an example to this generation? But look at the way you're dressed. You don't even have it all together. Really? And he'll begin to whisper. And he'll begin to infiltrate your mind with thoughts with lies and with deception but i'm here on an assignment to shut down the noise of every distraction every naysayer every negative thought every lie every deception that the enemy has risen against you in the name of jesus that is trying to discourage your obedience in 2020 i want you to know that god is not calling you to be perfect he doesn't need you to have it all together he doesn't need you to have it all figured out he doesn't even need you to talk well to look the part to be cut from the same cloth he's not looking for any of that all he's looking for is for a yes all he's looking for is for somebody to say in the midst of my situation in the midst of my brokenness in the midst of my mess i am here surrendering myself to say yes to your will in the midst of my brokenness and of this lack that i currently have i say yes to your will in the midst of everything god i say yes to your will and we often ask him, God, but why me? You could have chosen the person next to me. You could have chosen the person behind me. You could have chosen my neighbor. You could have chosen anybody else. Why me? You ever ask yourself that question, God, why me? And God says, because I have a purpose with you. This was never about you to begin with. This was always about me, baby. I wrote the book already, and guess what? You are already an actor in the script. This was never about you. I equipped you, I called you, I filled you with purpose, I filled you with destiny, and anything I call you to do, as long as you say yes and are obedient to my will, I promise that I will be with you. 
So I know some people may turn on you. I know some people may not like that you've said yes. I know some people may not understand the new you because when we come to Christ, the Bible says that in him all things are made new. So people may look at you and say, but you're now looking different, you're talking different. Something about you is, you know, I don't know. This is just, the, this ain't the, the girl I was used to. This ain't the boy I remember when we were, you know, growing up back then. But, but I want you to know today to not worry about that and to not worry about the opinions of other people. Let the one who sent you deal with them and with their problem. This is no time to quit, church. This is no time to throw in the towel. This is no time for us to take a break. 2020 is no time for us to sit back and wait on an assignment from the Lord. There is an assignment already over this house. 2020 is a year to build. This is a year where God is telling you, I don't want you to make any excuses anymore. I don't want you to tell me that you don't have what it takes. I want you to use whatever you've got in your hand and get to work. Get to work on building the marriage that I have called you to. Get to work on being the man of God I've called you to be. Get to work on being the woman of God I have called you to be. Get to work on building your family structure because right now it's a little bit messed up but if you get to work on it I'm going to back you up. Get to work on building your relationships. You know there's some people you need to let go of. Why are you still hanging on to them? Get to work on building yourself. Get to work on building your self-esteem. Stop taking other people's opinion as fact about who I've called you to be. Get to work on your devotion time. Step up your level of commitment. You've been asking me to use you. I'll use you when you get into my word. I'll use you when you understand who you are in Christ. I'll use you when you fast a little more. I'll use you when you begin to pray a little more. I'll use you as you begin to go deeper into my word. I'll begin to reveal myself to you in ways that you have never seen me reveal myself to you again. But I need you to step up your level of obedience and build, build, build. And as you get tired, God says, keep going, cause I'm with you, build, build, build. And halfway through the journey when June comes and you're like, I'm not seeing anything, God says, keep going, build, cause I am with you. And I'm getting ready to close, I know. I know guys, sit down, sit down. I'm getting ready to close, I promise, I promise. I'm getting ready to close, just give me two more minutes. I wanna end with this and this is what Haggai, this is what the Lord speaks to this church, Haggai chapter two verse nine says, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, Hope Center, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Thank you, Jesus. I want you all to know that we're getting ready to see the glory of God manifest in this house like we have never seen it before. And when God talks about his glory, he is talking about the weight of his presence. And I need you to hear me good, church. Because when we're talking about the literal weight of presence, the presence of God, the weight of his presence will press down, will break down, and will hold down some things. So when we invite his glory, when he says that my latter glory is going to be greater than the former glory that was in this house, that means don't, don't, don't rely on what you saw in 2019. I'm getting ready to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could ever think, ask, or imagine in 2020. 
And so this year, his presence is going to begin to press down and break anything that is not coming from him. And it will also begin to hold down everything that does come from him. That means that in 2020, relationships that have not been ordained by the Lord are going to be destroyed under the weight of his presence. It also means that relationships that have been ordained by him will hold together stronger in the weight of his presence. This also means that any of those bad habits that you had, that you thought you couldn't get rid of, are going to have to be destroyed, pressed down, and crushed under the weight of his presence. But it also means that new habits are going to begin to form and hold strong under the weight of his presence. It also means that sickness will have to be canceled and destroyed under the weight of his presence and healing will be revived once again in this church. It means that fear will have to break under the weight of his presence and courage will begin to invade the house of the Lord. It means that where I used to be afraid and timid to lift my hand and shout and dance when I felt the spirit of the Lord or bow down and fall in surrender to his presence I will now have courage to surrender my life to him I will not be afraid of what anybody else thinks it also means that this year the weight of his presence is going to get ready to cancel out depression anxiety worry and in its place God's peace will invade this house and will be our portion. Do you receive that today? Once again, thanks so much for tuning into today's message. I pray that it was a blessing to you. I'm so glad that you were able to hear today's message, but can I tell you there's nothing like the live experience. Would you join us on a Sunday afternoon at 1.30? We meet at Greenbelt Middle, 6301 Breezewood Drive in Greenbelt, Maryland. And so I want you to be there. I want you to get connected. You can find out more information on our social media at My Hope Center on every platform. And also, you can check out more information at myhopecenter.org. I hope to see you soon. So until then, peace, love, and God bless.